0: You're listening to The Broken Meeple Podcast, a show devoted to board and card games, as well as those that enjoy and play them. Thank you for your support, and I hope you enjoy listening. The Broken Meeple, Episode 11, Rants and Resolutions In today's episode, I give my first impressions of Dominion, the staple deck builder game from 2008. After that, I'll be talking about my appearance on the Dice Tower Showdown Episode 9, in which I was debating the cons of Power Grid. And finally, I talk about my New Year's resolutions for the Broken Meeple blog as a whole. I am your host Luke Hector, and I'm the man who lied to you in our negotiations in Cosmic Encounter. Hello, Happy New Year, it's 2014, I'm in Portsmouth at the moment, and it's finally sunny outside. Which makes a bit of a change from lately when we've had nothing but rainstorms all the time. But, to be honest, it's not like the sun actually affects people who play board games, and I'm not here to talk about the weather. So, what's going to be coming up today? Well, as mentioned, I have my first impressions on the game Dominion. I will also be talking about a recent appearance on the Dice Tower Showdown and then I will discuss what I am planning for this year with regards to the Broken Meepool as a whole. I'm quite excited for the plans I've got, I've already been preparing a lot of things, but I'll go into more detail about that later on. So, for now, let's get started with first impressions, Dominion. Dominion was published in 2008 by Rio Grande Games and it is regarded as one of the staple deck building games that you should have in a gamers collection. It's ranked number 17 on BoardGameGeek and it has continued since its arrival to top the charts of most podcasters, most bloggers and BoardGameGeek in general for years gone by. Now I've been trying to get this game played by me for quite a while and it's always slipped My grasp, either there's been other games to play, or not that many people I know own it. Or if they do own it, they don't tend to bring them to the clubs. But at the Portsmouth On Board session this week, I was lucky enough to be introduced to a few new members. I mean, I always like new members coming to the club, but I'll talk about that later. But one of them was great enough to have brought Dominion to the table and invited me along to join them in a five-player game. Now, normally this game only does two to four players, but it seems pretty easy to adapt it to five players just so they could show me the game. Now, the way Dominion works is that it's based on the deck building mechanic. Now, if you're unaware of what that means, a deck building game is where you generally start off with a set deck, and the cards are usually identical to everybody else's to begin with. In Dominion's case, they start off with a few minor victory point cards and a bunch of money. Now... Deck builders work that as you progress through the game, you collect cards by either paying for them with resources or money, depending on what the game is, and as you collect the cards, you put them into your deck, and as you go through your deck, i.e. you draw all your cards and you end up going through the entire deck in one big cycle, you shuffle the entire deck again and continue to draw from it. So as you go through the game, your deck is constantly updating with cards that you have found during the game. Other examples like this might be Core Worlds where you have to acquire infantry, vehicles, robots, that kind of thing and over the course of the game your army builds up. Uh, Marvel Legendary is another example of a co-op deck building game where you have to acquire the superheroes and allies in order to defeat the nemesis of the game and that works in a similar way. And I believe the most recent example I can think of, to a lighter extent, is the Pathfinder Adventure card game. Now, that works in a similar fashion. You start off with a deck which, instead of being identical to others, is more tailored to you, which is one good thing about it. But as you go through the game, you can acquire items, weapons, allies. They go into your deck, and as normal, you go through that deck as well. So, that's how the deck building mechanic works, and it's not my favourite mechanic in the world. It's a hit or miss for me. I can take it or leave it. It's one of those things that it can either detract from the theme of the game, or it could work to its advantage. Now, Dominion is regarded as quite a simple game for most people to get into. It's also regarded as the first one that should be tried if you're new to deck builders. So, I didn't expect much in the way of complexity, but... I was quite surprised that you did have quite a few choices to make about what you bought... ...and what you could do depending on what you drew in your hand or what you had been buying through the game. But the biggest pro I can say about this game is the amount of variety. Because the way Dominion works is that as well as your set hand... ...you have money cards that are laid out to the side that everybody can get... ...but you also have ten kingdom decks in front of you. Now a kingdom deck is basically ten different cards that have different abilities... And there are multiple copies of each one. Each player can buy from those decks to improve their deck to go along with their overall strategy in the game, whether it's get lots of money or go for multiple actions or be able to draw cards greatly or screw over other players, that kind of thing. The aim of the game is to have the most victory points and these are represented by estate cards which again you have to buy and get into your deck. The winner of the game is the person with the most victory points at the end and you do that by looking through your deck and counting up all those estate cards that you've hopefully bought in the game. Now when I talk about variety, I mention that 10 kingdom decks are laid out in front of you. The game, I believe, comes with a staggering 25 card types to use and you only use 10 of them. So in the base game alone, that's got a lot of immense variety in it. And that's just the base game. As most people who know Dominion will be aware, this, much like most Fantasy Flight games, has been expanded to high heaven. And I think there's at least six or seven, I think seven is the number we're up to now, Dominion expansions for this game. They vary in terms of how good they are received by players, but there are most of them that are regarded as almost staples. You know, when you buy this game, you should get that. But they bring in yet more kingdom decks or more complex rules, And this game has got a lot of legs. I mean, if you buy this game, it's going to last you a while if you enjoy it. So it's certainly not going to be just a flash in the pan for you. In terms of the game itself, it was reasonably enjoyable. I didn't expect it to be too complex, but I had choices to make and I had to think about what strategy I went for. I went for multiple actions, so I wasn't too fussed about getting lots of money as long as I could play enough cards to screw over other players or further my own strategy. That worked to an extent, I did have money troubles at times, but by the end of the game I was able to acquire quite a few estate cards just by having a lot of card draw actions and eventually took a victory, not by too many points though, I believe it was only by 2 or 3 points, but it was enough to scrape it. I quite like this game. Um, I wouldn't say I love it. It may enter my collection. I don't know. I am expanding my collection quite a bit now. So I think I could do with a half-decent deck-building game in there. But I'd have to see what the other expansions can bring to the table, because the ten decks that we used were probably ten very basic ones. You know, I reckon they were suggested as those for new players. I looked through the other Kingdom cards in the box after we'd finished the game, and there was some very interesting stuff in there that I thought was a bit more... Well, what's the word I'm looking for? A bit more interesting, shall we say, in terms of its abilities. Theme-wise, it's not great in that regard, because... The idea of Dominion is that you are effectively building up your kingdom. So you're buying things like moats and workshops and mines and markets, that kind of thing. Imagine you're in medieval Britain and you're basically building the... I'm trying to think of the word. You're building your kingdom, basically, your castle and all its surrounding buildings and that. Now, okay, you are collecting cards for that, but you don't really have a big building map in front of you or anything like that. And you could be acquiring lots of random combinations for cards, so theme be gone in this case, I think. You're not really going to be thinking, yes, I am the mayor of this city, and this is my city. I mean, technically it is, but it is just a deck of cards at the end of the day, it's not a full-blown map with miniatures or anything like that. So you have to take it a bit light in that regard. But... It's still a simple deck-building game. It's not difficult to teach new players, and I'm very tempted to get this game with maybe one or two expansions to see how far it can go. I could do with a deck-building game in my collection, and if it's not Dominion, it's going to end up probably being Marvel Legendary, because I'm not a huge fan of Core Worlds, but we'll probably get to that another time maybe in a subsequent review Um, so yeah I I quite like Dominion and first impressions have been pretty good I'd like to play it with a few more expansions in it though so hopefully maybe there's somebody out there at Portsmouth or Southampton with that kind of collection but oh well if not I'm sure I'll probably get it myself being the slight games kleptomaniac I've now suddenly become so that's Dominion from Rio Grande Games Next we're going to talk about a big recent event for me. Uh, Lately in December I was invited to speak on the Dice Tower Showdown. Now the Dice Tower Showdown is a podcast run by the Dice Tower, funny enough. It's a new podcast that the group has decided to do in which people from around the world can vote themselves to take part and then discuss usually the pros and cons of a particular game or topic. Now, they've had, I think, nine episodes now in total, but they're still going strong, and I'm invited to speak again on Monday night to defend a game that I quite like, Seven Wonders. Now, I say at night, this is true, because they record the podcast at around nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So if you're any good with your time zones, that means I have to stay up until 2am in the morning to speak on Skype about a game. So let's just say work on Tuesday is somewhat dodgy. It was a good experience, but I was, let's just say Sod's Law, decided to take a punt at me for that night. It started off pretty well. I had the software, I had the mic, I had the starting musician, and I'd finally managed to get Skype working. So it all seemed pretty good, and it started off quite well, despite the fact that I was nervous like anything. I honestly was making kittens while sitting on that chair thinking, okay, I'm going to be speaking to the world here. This is, uh, you know, okay, I'm doing a podcast right now, but trust me, you know, this is my podcast from Portsmouth UK. You know, this isn't anywhere near as big as the Dice Tower. A lot of people listen to the Dice Tower. But it was good fun to start with. However... For the first time in several years, my less than speedy internet sky decided it was going to cut out at possibly the worst moment. It did it almost in mid-sentence and I was frantically cursing at the router trying to get it back working. And by the time I was able to, I had to basically give an end conclusion and that was all I could do. So I'd given basically two to three arguments... And in a conclusion, but I'd left my poor colleague there alone to defend against two other blokes all by himself. And I I feel sorry for him, and I can't apologise enough that that happened. But sod's law that the first time in years it decides to cut out, it does it on that night. It's been throttling my speed for a while, and thankfully I have sacked Sky in classic Monty Python style to move to Plusnet. So hopefully come Monday my internet will be a damn sight more reliable and then I can hopefully enjoy myself more on Defending Seven Wonders. Uh, if it cuts out again, and I won't bother doing it again, because obviously if it cuts out twice on these particular occasions, there must be another reason why it's for some reason my internet can't handle Skype. So fingers crossed for that. But what I was doing is that I was arguing against a game called Power Grid by Freedom and Freeze. I think that's how you pronounce it. This is one of the most highly regarded Euro games out there. It's ranked 8 on Board Game Geek, so it's immensely popular. Effectively, you are the CEO of an electric firm, and the goal of the game is, hmm, funny enough, have the most money slash victory points. And you do this by auctioning plants that use trash or coal or oil to run, and on a board which can be pretty much any map you can think of in the world at this point. They've got Germany, Italy, I think America, France. They've got all sorts of maps, and they keep expanding it all the time. But on the map, you have cities that are connected up by routes that cost a certain amount per route, depending on where it is in the country. So as you acquire your plants, you will then spend money to acquire resources, and then you will... Again, spend more money to acquire houses or properties on the map board, hoping to connect them all up and power the most cities by the end of the game. I believe the target is around 17 cities to be powered. Now, the only way you can power cities is by getting the right plants and having the resources to power those plants. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? But why do I hate this game so much? It's so bone dry, I can only imagine that if I left a piece of sandpaper out in the Sahara Desert for three years, this game would still be drier. It's just so bland. The auction is effectively just like any auction. Plants come out at random, and you have to choose whether to bid, and it's just your typical 28, 30, 31, you know, going up in steps of one. That tends to be how most auctions go but the way the auctions come out is almost a big of a a bit of a luck fest really because you can see what auctions are there available to begin with but then as each one is bought another one is turned up from the deck and placed out and it sort of ends up getting to a point where all of a sudden you are penalised for going first in an auction because some of the better plans end up being available for the later players, which seems a little bit unfair in that respect. But that's not my biggest gripe. I'm not a huge fan of auction games anyway, as you might remember from my podcast episode 2, I believe, where I went through my top three worst genres. I think auctions came up in number three, I think, off the top of my head. Power Grid is a massive brain buster. Now, not because necessarily it's complex, but it's just the sheer amount of bookkeeping you have to do with the money in this game. You could be earning anything between 10 to 150 money in your round, depending on how well you're doing with the properties and plants. And every time you buy a plant, every time you buy resources... Every time you buy a property, you need to recalculate how much money you've got and think about whether you have enough money for the next turn's worth of auctions. And we're talking you have to do this to the nickel. You get it wrong by one or two and you could screw yourself out at the next turn and any mistake you make in this game is compounded by the time you get to the end. Is there anything I can like about this game? The resource market. I'll give the resource market credit. It does make sense thematically that... Basically, what happens is that you have the resources on track and depending on how much is on that track determines how cheap it is. So, yeah, that makes sense. If there's an abundance of coal, then coal is going to be cheap to acquire. If it's rare, like uranium, for example, it's going to be rare and it's going to be pricey. So that I quite like. But this thing has a very weird mechanic which is regarded by people as the catch-up mechanic. If you want to get more concrete details on it. I suggest you listen to the Dice Tower Showdown podcast and listen to what me and my colleague had to say on it. But effectively, the turn order in which you either start auctions or buy the resources, and then obviously buy buildings, is determined by how much money and the value of your plants you have at a particular time. I think the value of the money counts. It might just be the plants. You might have to correct me on that. But essentially... What it does is that obviously going first or last is either beneficial or detrimental depending on whether it's properties or auctions. Generally I think most people prefer to go last on auctions and people prefer to get on the property and resource track first. But it then creates this theme in the game where you're effectively hindering yourself so that you don't end up being first or last at a particular point. But that doesn't make any sense. If I go into a running race, do I slow down at the beginning so that I know I will speed up at the end and still win? No. And if you were the CEO of your electric plant company, would you deliberately hinder yourself by not buying the best plants available or not getting the best, most money or the best technologies available just so that your competitors could get a shot in? No. You know, where's the theme in that? So it just... The mechanic is one of the things that most people latch on when they hate this game, as well as the arithmetical bookkeeping that's done with the money. You know, get it wrong once and you're dead. And even though this mechanic is meant to be a sort of catch-up mechanic, it doesn't really work in the majority of times if you're playing against somebody who knows this game well. If somebody owns this game and he's played it enough times, he knows the perfect way to structure his last few turns to mean that he is just going to wipe the floor with you. So it's difficult to enjoy it as you go through. And bear in mind, this is not a short game. This is easily a two-hour game, if not longer, depending on how many players you've got... ...or how much analysis paralysis there is in this game. And believe me, this game gets a lot of analysis paralysis. You've got to constantly recalculate your money and your options every time something happens... ...particularly if it doesn't go your way. So anybody with analysis paralysis is going to sit there like a lemon for ages trying to dictate what to himself what he's going to do, and it just slows the game down to such a drag. Absolute drag. The map itself isn't even that good to look at. It's basically coloured segments, separated by effectively counties, in each map, and you use a certain amount of them depending on how many players there are. Now that in itself is already a problem. I thought, alright, first time I ever played this game, I said, well, can we use the Italy map? I quite like Italy as a country, I'd like to use that map, I'm sure it'll be quite interesting because it's effectively long and thin. We used, I think, three bits of the top part of Italy. So basically just a fat blob of Italy. Well, what was the point in playing Italy then? We might as well have just used some fake country or just played in Germany or something because that's effectively just one big round blob in the middle of... Europe, isn't it? It's not like got any weird shapes or anything like that. It's one big mass of land. So, it just, what was the point in using the funky map? What's the point of all the expansions? It's just effectively a bunch of little spaces to put your properties on, which effectively look like Monopoly hotels in terms of component quality. And getting on to component quality, the paper money in this game is horrendous. It's worse than the paper money you get in Monopoly. Now most people have replaced it with poker chip. It's flimsy, it gets bent, it gets blown all over the place. And because you've got to constantly keep recalculating how much you've got and gaining income each turn and spending it, it's just constantly changing hands and you never know whether someone's done it right or not. Unfortunately, this is a highly regarded game. So I'm fighting a losing battle here against the masses. Too many people like this game, but the minority of us that don't like this game will defend our opinion to the hilt. I really don't like Power Grid. I've played it several times, mainly because I have been forced to play it when there was no other options available at Euro game clubs, and it is never going to see itself anywhere near my collection, or, if I can help it, anywhere near my sight again. Do I hate this one more than Kingdom Builder, which I've talked about in the previous podcast? Possibly. At least Kingdom Builder doesn't take two to three hours to get through the game. But I hate both equally. I don't see the appeal for this game unless you are obsessed with mental arithmetic and love auctions. Because that's those are the two main characteristics of this game, mental arithmetic and auctions. So if you like that kind of thing, then great, go for this game. I'm sure you'll love it, but you're never going to get me to play this game again. Not by choice. No way. But it was a good time on the Dice Tower Showdown, and I'm grateful to the crew over there for not being too upset when I got disconnected. Apparently I'm not the first to have had connection issues with this podcast, but hopefully when I come back on to defend Seven Wonders, which, unlike Power Grid, is a great game, then things will go a bit more smoothly and I'll be able to give a much more bigger presence on the show, because on the Power Grid one, I kind of start off well, and then I cut out, and then you don't hear me until the very end, so you're probably thinking, hmm, where's he gone? But they did a good job editing that bit, but Knowing that I got cut out by the internet, you can tell when it happens if you listen to it. But I say, give the Dice Tower Showdown a listen. It's a good podcast, and I like debating games. If you like Power Grid, fine. I'm not dissing you as a player if you don't like, sorry, if you like this game. What I love about this industry is that you can have differing opinions on games, and they can be of varying kinds, and everybody's going to disagree about a particular game or agree on other games. And it's just great to talk about why. You know, all of us on the Dice Tower Showdown aren't attacking each other when we're arguing this game. We're talking about why we don't like it or why we like it and doing a debate. It's not a, oh, you like this game, you are mad and you're stupid and you shouldn't be playing games. No, nobody should be like that. And if you have got that kind of way of forcing your opinion on others, then stop playing board games because you're spoiling it for everyone else. But it was a good time, and I look forward to going on for Seven Wonders, and hopefully more times in the future, as long as I can be bothered to stay up till 2am in the morning to do a massive podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to recover well on Tuesday, am I? Oh well, that was my time on Dice Tower Showdown. Finally, we're going to talk about the New Year's resolutions for the Broken Meeple. I've been having plans for this blog to develop more in at some point, but it's been hard to get things ready, and now I'm in the process of acquiring the equipment I need, the software I need, the, well, I say talent, the ability to actually work the software and figure out how to link up audio and video when recording, because obviously I used separate devices to do both, and it's a bit of a, a gruel process, but... I'm getting there and I'm almost ready. All I need is a suitable backdrop to use for the videos. Yes, that's right. I'm heading to YouTube. I've been enjoying doing it as a podcast and I will continue to do a podcast, just maybe not as often as it has at the moment. I think I've been doing it every two weeks at the moment. So maybe I might have to do that to once a month or maybe once every three weeks. We'll have to see how it goes. It depends on my time, bearing in mind I do have a full-time job outside of this. But I still want to do written reviews, but not as many written reviews. Writing reviews is fine, but trying to explain rules and how to play the game in writing is quite tedious and a little bit boring. I love writing reviews when I'm actually giving my opinion, because you'll just see me typing like Speedy Gonzales and I can go off on such a tangent and it'll be a great thing to read. But I want to transfer some of the bits that I don't like doing on writing to video. So I can do things like how to play. Now, a lot of people do these sort of things on YouTube and it's quite popular. And I find them useful as well. So I want to do my own how to play videos for certain games. Probably not too many of the complex ones unless people request them. But you know, most games require some basic information such as that. But also, on top of that, I want to do unboxing videos. I'm not usually a fan of watching an unboxing video, but I understand that unboxing videos are quite popular as well. And, well, I have to admit, when I do unbox a game, it is quite cool to see all the components and go, ooh, yeah, what's he got in here? So I'll do those. They should be nice and simple to get up there. But the main thing will be that I'll be doing video reviews as well to support the written ones. So hopefully you'll be able to see a game on either one of those platforms depending on what type of game it is. I might use the video to describe the more complex games, the ones that have got more going on, because it might be easier to visualise them. It really just depends on the game or how I feel at the time, really. That would be the best way to summarise it. But that's going to come soon. I don't know exactly when I'll get my first video onto YouTube. I'm hoping to do it at some point in the next week or two. Uh, I'll start off with a introduction to... Exactly who I am, what I'm doing on YouTube, that kind of thing, just to explain the format. So, that'll be the first video that goes up, but then after that, I should be able to get an unboxing video of a game I've recently bought called Expedition's Famous Explorers, which is a reprint of an old game I played with the family for years it's called Wildlife Adventure. Looked good, and I'm excited to get that one done. And first review, I don't know which one I'll do as a first review, really. I've got the agony of choice here, so I'm sure I'll find something, but uh, for now, I'll keep that as a surprise. In terms of the website, the website will still be going strong. I'm still going to be doing the Portsmouth and Southampton on board session reports, but I'll try to trim those down a little bit in terms of length, because I do go off on a bit of a tangent with those sometimes. It kind of depends, really. I I do like writing them, but it is quite tiresome to get a Southampton report every week and a Portsmouth one every two weeks, on top of everything else. The podcast, again, will still be going strong, trying to get it in a consistent format so that it's more familiar. However, the biggest development with uh, the podcast now is that you can subscribe to it on iTunes. Finally, they've reviewed it. It took me ages to get that sorted. I had to apply to a podcasting beta on SoundCloud, where my podcast is hosted... I then had to get the RSS feed, submit that to iTunes, I then had to wait for them to receive that feed and review it, and then I had to wait for it to get uploaded properly to the iTunes store because it didn't instantly appear in searches as I found out when asking my followers on Twitter. But I've checked, it's now there in full, I'm basically doing minor tweaks to the descriptions and that in order to... Make it a bit more clearer for people. But now as I release each podcast, it should be available on iTunes. So if you've got that facility, search for the broken meeple on iTunes and you can subscribe on the logo. So that's essentially what is happening with the broken meeple in the nearest future. Hopefully in the long run, I'm expecting to visit a couple of conventions or expos in the year. I've already booked my hotel to stay at the free day UK Games Expo in Birmingham on, I believe it's the 30th of May to the 1st of June it's happening. I will be there. Hopefully there'll be some way to publicise the panel, um, sorry, the panel, publicise the blog in way of a panel there. I'm not quite sure. It depends what the format is. I've never been, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, on top of that, it would be nice to be able to go to Essen, which I know some people in our local club have, but it may clash with other things I'm doing and is not going to be the easiest trip in the world. But I'm going to see what I can do. I would love to be able to go to something as big as Essen. We're talking the granddaddy of board game conventions, for the European market at least, is Essen. I know America have got things like bgg.com and uh, Gen Con and stuff like that. But over here we've got Essen and I hear good things when people come back from Essen. So I'm going to try and make an effort to visit that, even if it does mean a bit of an action-packed October On top of that, my games collection is hopefully going to be growing soon. I've got a bit of spare cash that I want to spend on games, but storage has become a problem in my flat. I've had to take things off the shelves in order to fit board games on. But that's going to change after today. I've just been to Ikea, and I've bought myself one of their... What's the pronunciation of this word? One of their Expedit, e x p e d i t, I believe, uh, storage units for the that are normally for living rooms, but I found a spot in my flat. It can fit as long as I rearrange my, uh, canvas prints on the wall a bit. And I'm gonna use that solely for storing board games. Board games and board game related stuff, maybe RPG things, collectible card games, that kind of thing. So I'm gonna devote it entirely to that and then I'll be able to store more things on the original shelves and clean up my place a bit. The other good thing about it is that it will provide a nice backdrop for the YouTube videos because at the moment, there's not many places in my flat I can think of to have the camera facing. You've either got windows, or you've got a TV unit that's covered in Doctor Who DVDs that reflect the light, or you've got very boring painted walls that are just done in the usual Magnolia that most new-build flats are. So what I can do with this particular unit is that I can have it against the wall, I can put the laptop and the microphone and everything on the table, camera on the tripod on the table to record myself, and then... It will be in the backdrop and it will just make the video a little bit more interesting to view. You see most other people do this anyway. You look at the back and they've got an entire library of board games behind them. Okay, I'm only talking about a unit, a 5x5 unit stocked up with a few board games and growing over time. But you go on other people's and you just, if you like board gaming, you're envious as to how many board games they've got. But also a bit curious as to how they can possibly play them all in the space of a year. Oh well, board games are timeless, as we all know. Board games do not get dated. So, it's all good, and I'm going to be growing the collection over time now. excited to get started on that. But first, I've got to build the wretched thing. (laughs) It's currently sitting behind me in four big flat-pack boxes. So, part of my Saturday afternoon, instead of going to the gym, is going to have to be assembling the thing. Thankfully, it's not too complicated, which is a good thing, because I suck at everything DIY-related... Trust me, honestly, you, you do not give me a power drill under any circumstances, ask my friend. you know, I'm alright with a screwdriver and a hammer. I'm effectively the Jeremy Clarkson of do-it-yourself. So, that's exciting times ahead. I'm looking forward to getting onto YouTube. I want to get myself out there a bit. Just bear with me for the first few episodes. I'm going to be nervous doing it. And it's very new for me. I have never done YouTube vids before. I mean, this podcast is new enough. I've never done radio-style shows either. So this is new territory for me. But my passion for board games is growing. I'm enjoying playing new games. I like how our Portsmouth on board and Southampton on board is getting new members. And I'm hosting sessions around my flat for club members now more often so that I can bring people here and we can just socialise and have a good time. That's what board games are about getting people together and having a laugh with a bit of a challenge and a bit of competitiveness thrown in. Unless you're doing co-ops like my next session is. It's going to be co-op themed uh, mainly because I'm expecting new players to be attending so co-ops are a good way to start off without getting them sort of putting them off the industry but looking forward to it. So that's effectively the future of the Broken Meeple. It's going to carry on. I'm going to develop it as much as I can using my own funds. I don't have a Kickstarter or anything like that. I'm not large enough for that kind of thing yet. I suppose the next best thing for me is once this podcast really gets going is to get it on the Dice Tower network. You have to have a minimum of 10 episodes to be even eligible for the Dice Tower network. Uh, This is now episode 11 so I think I could now probably give Tom Vassell a call and see whether it's possible so that will broadcast it in more areas in america but it also provides an excellent link other than itunes for you to find it so there's a lot of stuff to do and i've only got so much time to do it so i better make a start now so thank you for listening to the broken evil podcast episode 11 take care enjoy playing board games thank you and i hope it was a happy new year for you too